welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. Hello and welcome into the August 16th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. And today we have the pleasure of speaking about real Chiefs football, which is actually the first time, well, real in air quotes, but it's actually the first time we've actually been able to talk about football on this podcast that's been played in the spirit of a game. So Christian, first off, how was it to see Patrick Mahomes in pads on the field again for you? Dude, I'm just so happy we're finally here. Like, I just want to take a second, reflect on the off season, a nice change of pace, but like, Dude, Patrick Mahomes in pads. I made a graphic the other day promoting our podcast. We're going to witness something great. And that preseason game, man, that seeing him on the field, it was like poetry in motion. Well, yeah, I, you know, it just, you know, getting back in the field, seeing everyone on the timeline talking about the same time, going back through some of my favorite Twitter accounts and reading their takes on the games. It, yeah, it's the spirit, man. It's, it's, you know, the first time you see a Christmas tree in November, you know, it's, it's the, it's the holiday spirit. It was super exciting. Um, and yes, it was preseason and there's a lot of um, parameters we can put on the game, but overall it was really good to see the red and gold back on the field. And it was really good to see him against the 49ers. I was thinking back, like the chiefs only have good recent memories against the 49ers because someone retweeted on my timeline today Mahomes' first preseason game uh, ever was against the 49ers where he like uncorked that crazy awesome pass to Robinson on the run. And then, you know, there's like the game that the Mahomes played at home, his home opener ever as a starter. We had that crazy runaround play fired off to like, I think it was Chris Conley in the end zone. Maybe it was Robinson. It seems like one of those two guys. And then of course, yeah. you know, Super Bowl 54 turned out pretty well too. So it's like the 49ers are always like a team we have good memories of. Yeah. Which is crazy to think because as a Chiefs fan, even going back late, like Joe Montana, 49ers quarterback comes here and you know, he leads us to a postseason run, which again, thank you 49ers. Thanks for the Super Bowl. Thanks for the, you know, the GOAT. Thanks for Alex Smith. I mean, he turned this yeah, franchise that's, yeah, around. Yeah, that's true, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what? Wait, 49ers and they took, fans. And they, oh, you know what? I actually want to start with this. Um, it just, like, hit me as you were saying this. I was about to say, but they took Trent Williams from us. But that reminded me of, if you have not, and I'm a big, like, read. I, I love reading articles, especially, like, sports articles. Um, that's where I get a lot of my content from. But I was reading, and of course, if you're a Chiefs fan, you follow Matt Verderam on Twitter. Um, his podcast is great. I listen to it every week. But he wrote a big, long article, and most of it's information that you already know, but there was definitely a lot of background information on the Chiefs offseason, more specifically rebuilding the offensive line. But my favorite little bit piece of information that I took away from it was this. So we talked about them bidding for Trent Williams and eventually losing out to the 49ers. They were just more willing to guarantee more long-term money for Trent Williams. 
that's fine. But there was this really kind of interesting um, butterfly effect that took place with the Ravens. So once they lost out on Trent Williams, they turned their eye to the draft, Brett Veach and his staff did, and they just came, they came away realizing they were going to be taking the fifth or sixth tackle off the board, no matter what, to, to man the left tackle spot for Mahomes, and that's not what they wanted to do. So then obviously they started talking with the Ravens about Orlando Brown. And they went back and forth, back and forth. They got a draft calculator involved. It's all pretty interesting. But the thing that I thought was the most interesting is, is trading for Orlando Brown actually brought the Chiefs two of their offensive linemen because it was reported and suspected that the Ravens were very in on Creed Humphrey and that the pick that the Chiefs drafted Nick Bolton was, with was the Ravens pick. And they didn't have another pick before the Chiefs' second pick. So more or less, if the Chiefs don't trade for Orlando Brown and get the Ravens' second-round pick, they might have had an offensive line without Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown, which is just kind of a, like an interesting, like, who knows what could have come from that. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. I, I actually hadn't seen that. So, yeah, I mean, but they still would have had their first-round pick. You don't know who they would have chosen. I mean, there were a lot of good guys, a lot of wide receivers still on the board. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, you know, you know took a skill like, position last year. They might take one this year. You know, that's just how it goes. But yeah, it'll just be one of those fun things to see, kind of where they go from there. Um, you know, where the players go if Creed Humphrey ends up going to a couple of Pro Bowls and Orlando Brown locks on the left side for the next four to five years. It's going to come out feeling pretty good for sure. So speaking of Orlando Brown, um, there's a lot of big takeaways that we can take away from the preseason game. Obviously, we can kind of just drape all of the analysis that we're about to do about the game as the 49ers were playing some of their backups the Chiefs were playing some of their backups not everyone was in there yada 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 preseason football but it's no fun to just sit there and say preseason football doesn't matter so obviously my first and most important takeaway from the Chiefs preseason game the offensive line looked good um you know I don't think that we can come away saying that it's all fixed and it's going to be great they were against backups but there was two times that I thought that Chiefs needed to run the ball and they came out and did it well both times there was the third and third and two kind of towards the goal line that they got the two yards that they needed with a nice little extra push. And then that first run that they had of uh, the first series where Edwards Alaire showed a little bit of good patience, ran for about nine yards. That all looked really good. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things, and this is going to be probably one of the biggest things for the whole season is it's just really obvious to me that Orlando Brown, because of his lack of athleticism is going to work guys up, up, up in the pocket. And Mahomes is not going to be able to drift back. That is not something he's going to be able to do. But I saw a couple of times even there that Mahomes stepped up a little bit. I know we only threw like three or four passes, but overall, one of my takeaways, the offensive line looked good. And what a change of pace, man. I am so happy that that is what we're talking about. The first thing out of the preseason, the O-line pushed people around. Thank God. Thank you, Andy Reid. Thank you, Brett Veach. Just, I mean, how many times last year did we try to run the ball on a third or fourth and one and we got pushed back three yards like dude I don't know just thank the heavens for Brett Beach my first takeaway is that Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker stole the show they were Mike Hughes was the most physical cornerback that I've seen in a long time on the Chiefs roster Breland uh, Bashad Breland included and Baker played like a shutdown corner man what was it six attempts no completions he was glued on the receivers. I loved it. They were just so incredible, dynamic. Um, Mike Hughes, even on that kick return, dude, running people over. I don't see cornerbacks doing that at all. 
And, you know, he was playing that preseason game like he was fighting for a roster spot. And, you know, there's still a lot of preseason left, but I don't suspect he'll need to fight for very much longer. He looked fantastic. So cornerback room, not as in bad a shape as we thought. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good, um, really good analysis there, because the def- I think that they added some death along the cornerback spot. And I think that that's really going to help them long term. Um, and I, I Hughes as the returner excites me. Um, I think that's all the Chiefs need. They're going to if they can just get some shorter fields, man, I think that that's going to help. And I know Hardman can break a big one, but he can also really have a big letdown. Um, for me, the next biggest takeaway is and, and honestly, I think this might be the best takeaway I can take from the game is going to be that there are going to be good players that don't make this roster. And that's a great thing. You know, I was sitting there, I put out my like projected 53 today on Twitter and there were good players that I was going to have to cut. Like there will be players that either get traded or automatically get added to other rosters from this team. And that's a great thing. More importantly, the spot that's the hardest right now is the defensive line. And I love that defensive line is like one of those positions that the sum of the parts matters most because of the rotation and bringing guys in and keeping them fresh. I mean, Naughty, you know, Naughty didn't play in this game, but he is a really good defensive run stopper and he can generate some pass rush. Colin Saunders looked the best he's looked in a while. Deshaun Wharton was in the backfield all the time. Um, you know, Mike Dana had a great game. Chris Jones got a sack and they weren't, and you know, Jaron Reed was in there. Frank Clark wasn't even playing in this game. Neither was Taco Charlton. Neither was Alex Okafor. I mean, there's going to be a couple of defensive linemen that are good players that do not make this team. And and we're not even talking about how much um, Tim Ward flashed and he's flashed up in camp. I, you know, he might be a long shot, but if I have, if it's coming down to Taco Charlton, Alex Okafor, Tim Ward, you got to go with the upside, you know, at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. He played like a madman. Just on the outside, he had, what, two sacks, I think? He, he had a lot of pressures. Really good yeah, game for him. Yeah, he was but good. I, I really like that that point, too. I, I was writing down, you know, we do notes for the show and stuff, and uh, I put hard decisions. That was going to be one of mine. And I was like, okay, well, where are the hard decisions? I know that there's a lot of good players on the team. Like, okay, CB, you know, Bo Pete Keys, he, he's a fringe guy now. He was a seventh round pick last year and they traded back into the seventh to get him. Obviously they liked him. I don't know if he's going to make this team defensive tackle. I mean, you said it, Colin Saunders to Sean Wharton, really good players, Jaron Reed, you know, he's going to be on the team. How many are they going to keep? And I just kept going on safety wide receiver, tight end, the ends of those positions, man, there are good players. Jody Fortson is a, Good tight end. I won't say he's great. Not yet. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. I don't know if he's going to make the team. I don't know if they keep four tight ends. Yeah. And I know they're not going to cut gray. Here's something I want to talk about there, because that's something that came up. I saw a lot today. The Chiefs had four tight ends when they broke camp last year on their 53. They had um, Kaiser, Kelsey. They kept Dion Yelder. And then they had Ricky Seals Jones. Now, he didn't wasn't active very often. But to me, that but so Darwin Thompson plays special teams quite a bit. You know, he got that really crazy fumble recovery against the Texans a couple of years on a kick kick return or kick uh kicking team. And honestly, Darwin Thompson's not done himself any favors. He's gotten COVID, 
He, you know, it seems like almost every time, and I've kind of been a little bit of a defender for him because in garbage games, he does well. Like in mop up duty, he seems to run pretty physical and he's a workout warrior. I mean, he's, he's in a great shape, but every time he gets the opportunity, he seems to crap it away. The chiefs have for a long time gone with, gone with five running backs. You think about last year, they had Edwards, Alaire, they had Daryl, they had Le'Veon Bell, Darwin Thompson, and then Anthony Sherman. That was pretty much their five the whole time. Um, and before Le'Veon Bell, they had, oh, what was his name? He was a Raiders running back. They traded the Dolphins. But um, either way, they've, they've run with five quite a bit. And I think this might be the year that they sacrifice one of those running backs. And if Fortson can contribute on special teams, I could see, I could see it, um, them keeping four. Oh, yeah, it is certainly possible. And, you know, last year they might have done that. I don't know. You know, they were really kind of hoping that Ricky Seals-Jones pushed through that injury and, and come off of it. I think that's one of the reasons why they kept him and, and maybe one of the reasons why uh, they kept four in the first place. But either way, I'll, I'll get to my second point. Second biggest takeaway uh, is that Kando was taking reps with the ones. And I might be the only person that have seen it because nothing on Twitter Nobody's talking about it. Kando was taking reps with the ones and he had some really, really good reps. I mean, there were some times that uh, Watts interception, this is later in the game uh, where Trey Lance threw it to Armani Watts right over the middle. Easiest pick you could get. Um, Kando was the one pressuring quarterback on that. And there were a couple other plays where he had made a spin move on the outside while Colin Saunders. I mean, if Colin Saunders hadn't immediately broken through the line, Kando's getting a sack and you know I don't know how much of that is just them playing against a backup offensive line or you know maybe uh, nobody had watched any tape on Kando or, or something like that but he looked really really good and it took me two or three times watching through this preseason game to notice him <clears throat> but he was very noticeable I couldn't take my eyes off him once I started watching yeah yeah I think you know I think Kando is definitely going to be a little bit more of a slow burn than some of the other prospects that the Chiefs drafted this season he he's one of those guys that he has all the physical tools in the world it's just going to be him gathering technique um you know he kind of needs to go to that that pass rushing summit that they have and get some techniques and get with Chris Jones and get with Tom Bahali who's great with the hand fighting and kind of develop those but the potential is there especially with his body type Oh, yeah. Um, by, by no means am I saying he's going to be a starter week one. I think no, no, Mike Dana yeah. and, and Frank Clark might have that, uh, you know, all locked up, especially with Mike Dana's play in the preseason. But yeah, no, he I'm just saying he has a lot of upside and he played really well. Agreed. Agreed. Um, my last biggest takeaway and um, this one, this one feels a little silly to say out loud, but my thing is, I don't think the Chiefs are going to need to replace Sammy Watkins. And I don't think that the Chiefs have a wide receiver too. And this isn't as much a McCole Hartman Hardman indictment as much as it is. I just think that the Chiefs are going to go a little bit more committee at that um, second wide receiver position and not even wide receiver, but that production. I think that it's going to be, you know, 300 yards from Noah Gray. I think it's going to be you know, maybe it's 200 yards or 150 yards from Jody Fortson and a touchdown or two. And then it's going to be, you know, Byron Pringle while he was high school wide open and that touchdown pass he had, um, you know, there was that there, uh, you know, there's been plenty of players that look good. Clyde Edwards, a is catching the ball better. 
Jarek McKinnon flashed. Daryl Williams is still a good, like, I think that that production and, you know, obviously we're not talking about that much production when it comes from Sammy Watkins, but I just think, while I do think that is still going to be a heavily reliant offense on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I think that the sum of the parts are going to be more equal this year. I think it was last year that 60% of Mahomes' passing yards and like 70% of his touchdowns were to two players, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And um, that's not what you want. Just sheer injury luck We've just, that we've been down that road. I think this is the season that we start getting a little bit more balanced and we've seen Andy Reid offenses do those before back when, you know, they didn't, they went a whole year without having a wide receiver catch a touchdown pass. They can run the offense several different ways. Um, so I really hope that with the new improved offensive line, the new run schemes that they're running, the running more gap, that this is the year that we get a more diverse, more complete offense that allows the chiefs to win in a lot of different ways. And that's ultimately what you want. Oh yeah, absolutely. You uh, and we have been really high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I think even him, he's going to get some of that receiver production as well coming out of the backfield. Not just because people can't get open, but because they're going to scheme him open more. My last one that I had was I was right. I, I want to put this out there. I'm I'm not usually one to gloat, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. I was right about Cornell Powell. Now everybody came in. You watch. You listen to any other Chiefs podcast. Cornell Powell is going to be starting X receiver on the Chiefs. He's a six-round pick, uh, and that's exactly what he is. He's a six-round pick. Like, I don't know why everybody was so incredibly high on him. He was taking reps with the fourth-team offense. The fourth team. That's He was behind guys like Fountain and, and, oh, what's his name, Kemp. He was behind those two guys, which haven't seen the light of day, and I don't know how long. Well, I mean, but- I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I, I, I'm with you on this quite a bit. Here's part of the reason why, and Chiefs fans just need to stop falling for the shtick. Lewis Riddick, I know that he has an inside voice into the Chiefs from his time in Philadelphia with Andy Reid. But Lewis Riddick also one time tweeted out that he thought Darwin Thompson was going to be like the new thing in Kansas City. What he does is he tweets out that stuff for different teams, you know, he works for ESPN. So when he is right, he can go back and go, see, look at this. Look at what I said. You know, this is, I called this. But then whenever he says like, oh boy, look out for Darwin Thompson. We could have a new weapon in Kansas City. He just, you know, like casually deletes the tweet or never brings it up. And he was hyping up Cornell Powell. I, I remember that. And, you know, Chiefs fans, it, I don't blame them for falling in love because, I mean, if you saw the pictures of him running at the combine, he's a, he's a, workout warrior he's incredibly built but i mean i agree there's not been any buzz about him you've not heard like oh nice you know nice anything from him about in camp and he seems to not have a skill set that stands out he's not overly fast he's not overly agile he's not overly um competitive at the point of catch he just seems kind of like a guy but i think that you know you were talking about Fountain and some of those other guys. I think, I think um, he makes the roster. I think Powell makes the roster, but strictly on the basis of his potential upside, not what we've seen. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how much everybody's been paying attention in camp, but there, there were some days there where they were saying he was not having a good camp. Just, you know, lack of connection with Mahomes, running the wrong routes, and, you know, you go through that, 
all I'm saying is we need to temper our expectations a little bit of the guys we draft. I, I'm a homer as much as anybody else, but listen, you can't come in and expect Cornell Powell, sixth round pick, to come in and light up the league. Like that, that's just not something that happens. It's, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Noah Gray is not going to be Travis Kelsey, or he probably won't be. I'll say that he might be, but he probably won't be like there are a reason these guys stand out in the league so much, you know, Travis Kelsey is elite level, all time great at his position. You can't expect somebody to come in and be exactly like him. I just wanted to put that out there. I gloat a little bit on that one. Uh, but so what do we have next? Well, um, I think we wanted to play a little game. This is relevant to the Chiefs playing the 49ers. Um, we are going to put our name, each one of us is going to pick one of the rookie quarterbacks this season and who we think is going to have the best 2021 season. Now, that's different than who's going to be the best overall long term. Just who you think is going to be the best their first season. And we're going to find the best, not necessarily by like who wins a playoff game, but like overall, who is, I guess, you know, honestly, this is probably what's going to happen anyway. Which rookie quarterback is most likely to win rookie of the year? offensive rookie oh, of the year yeah okay I, I think that makes more sense right I mean could it be um you know could it be Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith yes it definitely could be but the odds on favorites are all going to be the quarterbacks right just like it's virtually impossible for someone not a quarterback to win MVP um so um would you like to go first Christian um would you like yeah, to declare sure. your love for um a certain quarterback in Chicago <laughs> Yes. Okay. And I think if you've listened to the podcast before, you know what I'm going to say, Justin Fields. All right. I'm not a bears fan, but I am this year. Uh, dude, they, he has the three things a quarterback needs to succeed in an offense. He has a good offensive coordinator slash head head coach in Matt Nagy. He has uh, really good wide receiver options that can get open and can help him out whenever he's, you know, not playing so well. And they, they drafted, Daz Newsom, a, a wide receiver I really liked. And they have Allen Robinson, who's a really, really good wide receiver that can do it all. Um, and then the third thing they have is a good offensive line and borderline great. They had a good draft with the offensive line as well. They drafted two tackles, Tevin Jenkins, who I really, really like. He's a crusher throat kind of player. Man, if you need to get an extra yards or get somebody out of the backfield, he's the guy to do it, man. He's all over the place. And then they got Larry Borum from my Mizzou Tigers. You know, pretty good draft. They, they shored up the O-line, got some weapons for him. And, boy, that I just hate to be on the opposing side of that offense. Yeah, um, you're – so I think that – I think that Justin Fields – has a skill set that I think long-term might actually put him in the conversation to be the one that has the best overall career. Um, I'm not quite as high on the offense as you are. I, they do get Tariq Cohen back. The, I mean, if their running backs are have healthy, Damian Williams, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, that's a good group. David Montgomery is hurt right now, but it doesn't seem too serious. Obviously, Allen Robinson's a great wide receiver. There's a lot of question marks after Allen Robinson. Um, they got Marquise Goodwin, which is he's a good decoy to just run go routes all day and occupy a safety. Um, and I mean, by God, if they have to play three quarterbacks, they're going to be great, too, because they got Andy Dalton, Nick Foles and Justin Fields. So if they ever have to run a three quarterback set, they are completely set. Um, you know, the the offensive lines concerning they just signed Jason Peters, who, um, you know, is definitely past his prime. 
Um, other than Cody Whitehair, who's a pretty good guard, not a whole lot on the offensive line to excite you. But they did add, they added Jesse James. Um, they've got Jimmy Graham and Cole Commit. We know they love to collect tight ends. So I could certainly see it. I think the offense, you know, the you're right that Nagy's a good offensive mind and he made Mitch Trubisky look good for a couple of seasons. So I think that Justin Fields definitely has the upside there. Um, for me, this is a little bit of a hot take and I'm not actually trying to be hot take, but this, I have my reasons why I think Zach Wilson is actually going to be the person that's going to have the best 2021. And here's the reasons why I think that one, he has a surprisingly good cast around him. I think if you got a chance to watch the Jets game preseason game the other day, um, they were really showing a lot of play action, letting him run off of that. And you got to remember they have uh, Matt LaFleur's brother who's running the offense out there. So he's kind of another one of those disciples from the Kyle Shanahan play action scheme. I think it's going to work well for Zach Wilson. And, you know, the weapons there are not amazing, but Corey Davis is an underrated wide receiver. They added Keelan Cole, who I really want to have a Chiefs to sign. Um, they've got Denzel Mims, who's good. They've got Jamison Crowder, who's also good. They drafted Elijah Moore. Um, they're, you know, running back, they're definitely a little thin. Um, I'm not going to lie there. Tyler Croft at tight end, who's just kind of a guy, Chris Herndon, fantasy players will know him. Makai Becton's there, um, at tackle more, Mo, they signed Morgan and Moses who left the Redskins. Sorry, Washington football team. Um, you know, overall, I, I think that what he showed in the preseason, and again, we'll drape the preseason and we don't know a whole lot, but he showed just good decision-making and taking what was given to him. And what I liked more than anything, he had the, he had the tendency to run around a lot at BYU and he was pretty poised. He looked like he really settled into the pocket. Well, and this is after him being one of the last players in camp because of his contract situation. Now, do I think that he's going to be the best long-term? Probably not, but I could completely see him surprising people because their expectations are low Surprise, also taking it by storm. Again, New York bias, all that jazz. Um, you know, I could I could completely see us sitting here talking about Zach Wilson, um, you know, like get, sniffing like 28, 29, maybe getting the 30 touchdowns and maybe just breaks into the 10 interception part and, you know, s- surprises people and wins eight games. See, I really like that take. I Surprisingly, I thought you were going to say like, Kyle Trask or, you know, the the typical. Well, you know, I think the most interesting thing is neither one of us said um, the number one overall pick, right? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Neither one of us said that, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of expectations. There's not as many weapons there and we just don't like the chaos that's already around urban Meyer and that team's not going to win a lot. And there's a lot expected of him. Yeah, dude, that. I would not want to be in that locker room as, as a former football player. Uh, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even want to know what they're saying back there with the whole Tim Tebow signing. And I don't know Jeez. if you saw any of his highlights. Oh, no, those, those, I don't know if you can say highlights. Low <laughs> okay. Lights. Low lights, low lights. Yeah, uh, man. I, and here's the thing too, there, you could completely, I could, I could see a situation where we're sitting here saying Mac Jones too, because Mac Jones has oh, maybe, yeah, you know, like why not? Mac Jones might have the best situation overall. I don't think Trey Lance is going to play enough 
And one of probably my other fourth takeaway besides Kay Adams from the Chiefs preseason game is a lot of people were just like glowing over Trey Lance. And I agree, the 50-yard bomb was glorious. But that 50-yard bomb is exactly what he did at North Dakota State. A guy who was high school wide open off play action where he had all day in the pocket to sit there and throw. He is not going to have that in, in the NFL. He showed a tendency to get uh, to get scared in the pocket. The Chiefs had a lot of pressure on him. And yes, he did have a couple of brutal drops from wide receivers, but he also had a couple of interceptions that were dropped too. And I'm here to tell you, adding two pa- uh, passes caught to his stat line is not the same as adding two interceptions to his stat line. Likewise, and I heard this on um, a podcast today, in the last 584 days, almost two years, Trey Lance has completed now, after the preseason game, 20 passes in the last 584 days. That's insane. I know that, you know, he could not, he's not in control of the pandemic. Um, and also he's not in control of what his college did. He wasn't going to transfer whatever, but a lot of people want to go ahead and trade Jimmy G because Trey Lance found an open guy, but there there's a lot left in my opinion to be there um, before we're ready to say, see him starting. Now I think he could do, you know, mix in and do some packages and I think by the end of the year, he's going to be starting. But I think it's I, honestly, I think the 49ers would just be smart to run with Jimmy G until he gets hurt. When he gets hurt, just put in Trey Lance. Which will eventually happen, right? That's yeah, happened I mean, every season he's played. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's almost natural. It will just, they'll put it in the Lord's hands. See, and I, I was never really high on Kyle Trask or uh, Trey Lance. I'm sorry. I keep getting those two names mixed up. Um, yeah, dude, I man, I just don't get betting on super high upside with quarterbacks. Like, dude, just go for the surefire guy. Mahomes was a once in a generation type of thing. Like, I feel like every everybody's trying to recreate what happened there. And I mean, even we've made the comparison, you know, Jimmy G and Trey Lance are the same thing as Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You know, not the same thing, but you know what I'm saying. There's yeah. There's some similarities there, but I mean, dude, we were so incredibly lucky. And I mean, the other thing to be pointed out is that Trey Lance and Patrick Mahomes, there's a lot of comparisons to be made there, but the big difference between Trey Lance and Patrick Mahomes is like probably five to 600 passing attempts in college. And that's the thing that I think the chiefs were smart in doing when they drafted Mahomes. is they went for a guy who threw the ball a lot and knew how to run an offense when it was down, when it was ahead, he threw the ball a lot. Trey Lance is the literal off opposite. He is what Jimmy G is now a game. He was in college, a game manager who had great scheme and great talent all around him. Uh, you know, Trey Lance is much more closer to Mac Jones as far as the talent level he played with in college, they dominated people. He had games where he only needed, needed to throw nine times. And he like, I, I forgot the stat. I knew it around the draft time, but there's like 50 snaps in his whole collegiate career that he wasn't leading. Now, Trey Lance could, you know, I could completely see us talking about him being the new name with Patrick Mahomes and a couple others, but for 2021, I don't see it. Yeah, exactly. All right, last thing before we get out of here, we are getting closer to fantasy football season. I don't know about you, but I've already started reading the drafts, and I'm excited this year because I'm in like three or four different types of leagues. I've got some dynasty. I've got some auctions. 
got some traditional and I have one that's not PPR, which is kind of psyching me out because I've played PPR for so long. That's kind of psyching me out that I got to kind of reevaluate my um, non PPR people. Uh, but real quick, we're just going to go and give just like two late round sleepers that we really like and talk about why. Um, Christian, this was your topic. So I bet you have someone on the tip of your tongue just ready to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers. Man, we're going to talk about the 49ers every podcast. At least that's what it feels like. This might as well be the 49ers podcast. Um, yeah, Brandon Ayuk. There's a whole there's a bunch of reasons why he didn't get as many yards as he should have last year. One of them is that he had Jimmy G throwing him the football, you know, eventually in this season, that's not going to happen anymore. He, he was wide open on multiple plays that were missed on um, just super high upside. And you can get him in like the fourth round. So, you know, why not take a chance? Okay. That's not bad. Um, I'm going to go with one. That's a very trendy fantasy name. You've probably heard his name. You'll probably remember his name, too, because it's very unique. It's LaVisca Chenault, uh, Jaguars wide receiver. Now, reports have been saying that Marvin Jones has been the guy in camp all year for uh, Trevor Lawrence. But right now in ESPN leagues, LaVisca Chenault's ADP is going as number 98 overall, which puts him at, like, wide receiver 30s ballpark-ish. I think you can get him around there. He's going to be a people that a person because of DJ shark who inevitably has a 30 point game somewhere in the season and then just nickels and dimes you the rest of the way. Chenault's got a lot of volume. He's got upside and obviously you're you're banking on a new offense, a better quarterback play. I could completely see LaVisca Chenault being a breakout guy. And if he establishes that we've seen that with rookie quarterbacks, whenever they establish the rapport with those guys, they keep going back to them. So if it's Marvin Jones and Schnault, um, good things are ahead for him, especially where you're going to be getting him, which, you know, looks to be like towards the tail end of your draft. You might be able to sneak him in. Oh yeah. And one more thing on him, you know, he plays the, uh, the slot, right. And he's like six, two. So he's going to be matched up on slot corners, uh, you know, in the red zone. And, you know, when, when they're in open field, open side of the field, he's going to be the guy that they go to that has the matchup problem. So that's definitely a guy to look at. And for my last one, I have Darnell Mooney of the Bears, a team that I have fancied this past season and preseason. Um, again, he's in the same situation as Brandon Ayuk. He had Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing him the football and not throwing him the football conveniently when he wasn't open. So he had, he had a few drops during the season and you know, that happens with rookie wide receivers. Um, so I wouldn't bank a whole lot on that, but yeah, he was open way more than he got thrown the ball. So he's going to be a good, good late round draft pick that you can pick up and look, Justin Fields, he's going to have the best rookie quarterback season. He's going to be the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Dude, who wouldn't want to have the offensive rookie of the year throwing in the ball? That's a good place to be for sure. For sure. Um, my, my last person, hold on. I'm pulling him up here. I just want to see what his ADP was. Okay. So mine is going to be Jamal Williams who signed a big deal with the lions this year after leaving the Packers. Uh, you're going to look at me and say, why would you say Jamal Williams is going to be on a bad team? And also, they just drafted DeAndre Swift. Here's my thinking. One, Jamal Williams has been a good pass-catching back. DeAndre Swift has struggled with that so far. 
Also, Dan Campbell, um, he was with the New Orleans Saints staff and a part of the offensive mind that helped bring Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram to do so well and Latavius Murray, because there for a while they had all three guys. And really, you could have owned any of those three guys and gotten value at any periodical time. His ADP is 110th overall. So you're not going to be like, he's not going to be one of those names that people are going to raise your eyes when you take him off the board. They're going to be really, but you're one DeAndre Swift injury away from having a lead back in an offense that's going to be run orientated a lot, especially with Jared Goff, who clearly needs that. And I think you can still get value out of him, even if DeAndre Swift is healthy, because I think that that's going to continue to be a committee. Dan Campbell clearly loves kneecaps and would be very inclined to run the ball. And also, I think that's something that they're going to pride themselves on this year because Detroit hasn't had like a thousand yard rusher in like since Barry Sanders. So I am all in on Jamal Williams in the late rounds. Oh, yeah, dude. He's somebody that you have to pick up. I mean, even as just DeAndre Swift insurance, like like you said, longevity is is one of the main things in this league. And, you know, injuries are injuries are random. You know, let you're going to have somebody go down. And Let me ask you a question, Mr. Brandon Ayuk. So I've got a got a keeper league here that I'm looking at. Just happened to pull up on my ESPN. We'll do a little fantasy uh, fantasy question. So I've got several players on my roster. This roster won the championship last year, too. So you can give me credit later. But oh, of course, of I course. get to keep three keepers. Here are the players that I am marked as keeping right now. But there's a fourth that I can't make up my mind. So I'm keeping Josh Allen, keeping Devontae Adams. And now it's coming down to either Brandon Ayuk or Clyde, Clyde Edwards Alaire. You think I should keep Clyde? Oh, geez, dude. Or Brandon Ayuk. I know it's tough. Like, it's definitely, <laughs> obviously, you're keeping Allen and Devontae, but Ayuk or Edwards Alaire? So, you know, honestly, I, you got to go with CEH, right? You're a homer. You have to, but also running backs are harder to find. And he's the starting running back in offense that throws the ball a whole lot. So he's going to have a lot of opportunity. Is, this is a PPR. Is this a PPR yes. league? Yes. Oh yeah. Then yeah, no question. CEH. Yeah, that's that's what I have. That's what I have marked. But I just want to make sure. I was like, I want to say it out loud to make sure it sounded right. Oh yeah. Would you rather have a guy you some people are drafting in the first round or like a fourth round pick? Yeah. No, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's true. You know, at this time last year, Clyde was like a top ten pick yeah. in most fantasy drafts after the Damian Williams news. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, next time we talk, we'll have some more uh, Chiefs preseason to talk about. We might talk about some of Hard Knocks. We thought about talking about it a little bit today, but since it's the Cowboys, we'll we'll wait for one more episode to kind of rehash that. The franchise played yesterday, which I don't know about you, Christian. Um, Cole Hardman bowling was about all that you could take away from the franchise this week. I mean, and Nick Bolton is going to be in the or in the defense, not in the offense. See, I didn't even pay attention. No, he'll he'll be in the defense. That's what you learned. Miko well, likes I mean, the bowl. Yeah, I will say that on a side note, Nick Bolton did look pretty pretty stout in the run uh, on Saturday night. He looked pretty good. Yeah. Like I saw him flash a couple of times there. Yeah, and apparently uh, from some of the sideline talk, he was he was doing really really well. Uh, yeah. knowing where he's supposed to be filling gaps, you know, and that's what you need. That's what we're going to ask him to do in the future. So yeah, Absolutely. good game from him too. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining in with us. Um, we will be back next week. You can follow me at price a Carter, and you can follow Christian at, let's see if I can do it. All right. C underscore breezy edits.
close. C breezy underscore edits. You've almost okay, got it. So you got so a, very close. You got to see the wind. Then the, right. unders- then the underscore, then the edit. Sea breeze. It's a sea breeze. Oh, okay. It's like and then that. edits. Oh, there sure. you go. I got it. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good one. Go Chiefs. See ya.